1: It's a championship weekend, USL style. That's why we kick off the show with Lee Cohen, president of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, as they will face Phoenix on Sunday on ESPN. USL League One will have their championship game on Friday as Union Omaha will take on Greenville Triumph in greenville austin Pancho, who played at indiana he's a super sub for union omaha he joins me up third andy fleming the top man at xavier here to talk about continuing the dialogue with all of your black friends let them know you care i like his message we meet two more members of our 30 under 30 class they are megan christian and matt parsons and then we wrap up the show with another big 10 in 10 Ray Leone, who is a big time coach. He's also known for being the husband to Tracy Bates Leone, who was on that original 1991 U.S. World Cup championship team and a great coach in her own right. And Carrie Sarver who will go down as one of the all-time greats at Maryland. She worked at U.S. Soccer, now she's with the Internationals in the Cleveland-Akron area, and sending players into Maryland. We wrap up Big Ten in 10 with Ray and Carrie Maryland women's soccer, Big Ten in 10. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job?
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We're kicking off going USL all the way. USL League Championship, USL League One. The Tampa Bay Rowdies will host the USL Championship game on Sunday, 5.30 on ESPN. That's right, on ESPN, Sunday at 5.30 from Tampa Bay. We're pleased to be joined by the president of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Lee Cohen
2: is on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Lee, thanks for being with us. Dean, pleasure to, to finally be on this podcast. you got such a recognizable voice for the entire United States, and uh, it's great to be on here with you. Well, it's been a crazy year
1: indeed. In fact, uh, ironically, when we came out of the pandemic, North Carolina FC, which you know I'm also connected to, went down to Tampa. That was a crazy game. But, Lee, back up the bus and just walk through how USL has dealt with this pandemic because I think it's been commendable to get to this point where you're playing in the championship so talk about that whole process, because it was quite the process.
2: I'll touch on two things. One, we have to thank North Carolina for that game. As you recall, we were up 2 nothing. It looked like we were cruising. We quickly fell into this, this massive trap. We gave up two goals, and, and I think the final whistle was very welcomed on our side. Finished that game 2-2. Two, two. But I'll tell you, it was that game that helped us in the first round of the playoffs. We were able to recall, on and you know we played Birmingham in the first round two, nothing in the half. And, you know, Birmingham did the same exact thing to us. They came out and blitzed us. It was two, two, but that learning experience you talk about early on in the pandemic, you know, so many teams are at so many different points. And, you know, that was our second game of this, of the return to play. And it was Carolina's first. There wasn't a lot of footage and, and, you know, kind of learning through that process. So we've always defined that as a moment that we were going to learn from. And, And sure enough, I guess we have Carolina to thank for, you know, helping us get through Birmingham. So Thanks to, thanks to you and your, your crew for, for that night. Help us out. In terms of, of just USL, listen, there's so many hours that were put into having the ability to, you know, how are we going to get through this process? And, and I, I tell you, the collaboration we've had from the league office to the players, to our partners and every one of our owners and presidents and technical staffs, you know, everyone uses the moniker, right? Together, together, together. You know, we got through this because we, we truly were together, right? We truly were going to figure out how are we all going to work through this? Because today's knowledge was different tomorrow. And what was different tomorrow was maybe reverted back to what it was yesterday. And so I, I cannot commend all of the teams to really abiding to what has just been a challenging year and for completing a season. Regardless of making a championship, making the playoffs, to, to go and do what we did to, to put games on in our own home markets, which... We're the first league in the entire U S to be able to do that. Probably one of the first leagues in, in the world that actually had fans come back into our stands. Uh, and I think if you spoke to everybody, fan bases included, you know, what? people were really proud of, of everything this league achieved this year. And it's a testament to everybody that put in, it goes from top to bottom. That's so well said. And you know,
1: you think about the name Tampa Bay Rowdies, it's got such a legendary, iconic name in the game of soccer, dating way back to the original NASL. But as you sit right now, you're there in Tampa. That's where the USL headquarters are. USL, whether it's USL Championship, USL League One, everything they're doing, it's a great league, Lee.
2: Phenomenal. Yeah. I think the league is probably extremely excited that it's uh, in their backyard to have the the championship. You know, we've been able to maybe do a little bit more because there's so much staff that they have that are going to be able to come right over and help us. They also have a league one championship that's going on on Friday, I believe in Greenville, which is uh, again, testament to the championship for playing. We, we regionalized our play league one. It was a very large map and a true testament to that league as well, to be able to, get through 2020 and, and to finish the season and, and to basically get to that point in the year where, where they're hosting, you know, a, a championship game on, on Friday night. So listen, as a whole, USL has got a great weekend that's ahead of them, you know, a league one championship on, on Friday and a, and a championship championship on, on Sunday. I cannot give enough kudos to everyone involved. Right. And, and, and Dean, you can appreciate this for someone who's been in the booth for a very, very long time. And, you know, I've seen, you know, th- this game grow to where it's at. You know, people put aside a lot of different things this year to be able to put these games on. And whether that was you in the booth and doing stuff that you were different to or whether that was us, you know, running teams or whether it was players adhering to protocols. It just shows you that how important this story is for, for everybody to keep going.
1: Well, let's tell the story of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. So I want you to start with your coach and your coaching staff. Tell us who they are, what makes them great. Obviously, they've got them just one game away from having yeah. a championship ring.
2: The head coach, Neil Collins, uh, you know, he's just a fantastic guy. Uh, there's nothing else, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. Work hard, play hard. There's no better person that's suited for this organization to lead it from a technical side extremely competitive. Don't play him in soccer, tennis, or what we have. They've developed a new game called plyo ball. He wins at everything. Right. And so he takes every challenge that there is on and off the field and and is going to figure out how to to be the best at it. A year ago, last Saturday, we lost to Louisville and we sat in a hotel room, same hotel we sat in on this past Saturday night. And we just said, there's, we're going to do whatever it takes to get better and be able to say in a year from now, we're better than we were. We can advance further and there's going to be nothing that's going to stand in the way. The only thing that'll stand in the way will be ourselves. And then March hits, we go to New York and we win our first time ever in New York. Dean, that goes back to when we were playing in the NASL. We have never won in New York. And that was because we had a vision. We had a mission. And listen, there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of teams. There's a lot of people that go out on social media and say a lot of things. This organization is just not that, right? We're not going to go out and say, you know, this is our code and this is our thing and this is what we do. We do what we do based upon the actions that we have on the field. So we go to New York, we get our first win and we're riding high and then COVID hits. We didn't look at it as a a way to say, hey, this is, you know, poor us, We, we, we were in such a great run, Neil and the entire staff that just put themselves into the book and just put their head down and didn't come out until they had a plan. How are we going to get better out of this coming through this process? How are we going to make our players who some of them families didn't even get a chance to make it into the States at that point in time. And how are we going to be there for them during that, that, you know, kind of March, April, and May time period. And then when it came out of it, it's how are we going to implement everything that we spent the last three months on a lot of people could have said two and a half years ago, bringing Neil off the field and making him a head coach when he had no coaching experience was bonehead mistake by any organization. No one got to see the vision that he had and the commitment and the sacrifice he was willing to give up to become the head coach of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. He saw an opportunity. He gave up a great playing career to take advantage of what's going to be the start of a great coaching career. And here we are hosting a championship game and, and, and vying for another star on, on, our, on our jersey. And that just goes a testament from our goalkeeper coach, Stuart Dobson. Chad Burt was a former player of us in 2010 and 11. Kevin Foley played with Neil in, in, in the UK and, and Pete Calabrese, has been a performance coach at the U.S. soccer level and, and in the MLS level to our athletic trainers. We have a staff that I would put up against anybody else's, and I hope any president would say that about any of their staffs. Lastly,
1: and I know this is always tough because you can't pick a favorite player, but I want everybody to know why they're tuning in on Sunday, and I want to know some of the superstar players. For me, it's easier to say Zach Steinberger and Aaron Guillen because they used to play for North yeah. Carolina FC, but you're so much bigger than those two. Talk about some of the superstars on your team.
2: Wow. You're really going to make us, you know, kind of put, put me on the spot here. And I'm, I'm kind of going to go back, right? I'm not going to pick one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick two guys, right? I'm going to pick two guys because I think these two guys have been through this transition. When Neil came in to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Rowdy, he, he was playing with these two players, Leo Fernandez and Sebastian Guanzotti. Those two guys have been a true testament of what we as an organization Strive to be on the field. Both of them in 2017 earned their way to play for Neil, right? And, and during that time period, but 2018 came. Both both committed to come back to the organization. And in that off season, we named both of them right. Seba was going to be the captain, and and Leo was going to be you know the vice captain. Or in, whenever Seba wasn't going to be be the captain, and here we are. That if we would have had a full season, both would have hit 100 games for us this year. And and you know, hitting 100 games at the D2 level is very, very challenging. When you have two guys that you can literally look at, when, I, when, when you look at Sebastian Guanzotti, probably one of the most underrated players there is in the USL. But if you look at it, he's one of the most consistent. Yeah, he doesn't go out and have hat tricks every other week from that side of thing, But he's got a goal rate of almost every other game in the, the time that Neil's been on here. Very under-noticed in the sense that Seba runs, and I'll give you an idea, he ran almost, I think this past weekend, 13K. In a game, he's, he's he's a number nine running 13k in a game. Because as, as as Forrest Lasso said in an interview, what he does motivates the rest of him. When your striker, your captain is putting in that much work in that position, when he's a goal scorer and he's supporting on the defensive side of the ball, setting the press and doing the things that the that, that some guys don't want to do, it brings the entire level up. So he is a captain. He's a captain because he's a, he's the last guy to leave the he's the last guy to leave the dining room. He's the first guy in. And he's the guy that gets these guys rallied. And Leo has been his running mate for that time period. And, and we just couldn't ask for two better guys that truly embody from 2017 to 2020 of what this organization is all about. Let's end with this, Lee Cohen, who is the
1: president for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. If Tampa can win at home in just one or
2: two sentences, what will it mean to the Tampa Bay Rowdies and their great fans? Joyous. I don't have, have to give you two sentences. It's absolutely joyous. For someone who's been at the club from the beginning, the 2012 championship was fantastic. I won't say it's as challenging as, as, as what it's been like in 2020 to go through everything that this organization has gone through. Listen, regardless of the result, both teams deserve a lot of credit to get to this point with the conditions that we're dealing with. And so if we win, it'll, it'll be just a joyous moment for everybody. But I will tell you what, it'll be a joyous moment for everybody either way to be able to be inside this stadium. 1800 to 2000 people celebrating USL championship soccer on Sunday night in front of their own home. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be fantastic.
1: Great plug. Great to be reconnected with Lee Cohen and old friend. Great to see you Lee. Thanks for kicking off this week's United soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap. I'll be watching on Sunday. Good luck to you and the Tampa Bay rowdies.
2: Thanks Dean. All the best to you.
1: Tampa Bay and Phoenix, 5.30 ESPN on Sunday, Friday, 5 o'clock on ESPN Deportes and ESPN Plus. USL League One, John Harkes in Greenville will host Union Omaha, led by Jay Mims and one of his super subs, former Indiana Hoosier superstar, Austin Poncho, who's got a brother who played at Stanford. Austin played for North Carolina FC last year. Austin Poncho previews the US. L league one championship game Friday up next after this message.
0: Registration for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches digital convention is now open. Even though we won't be together in person, the interactive digital event taking place January 11th through 15th, 2021 will still bring the soccer coaching community together for a week of fantastic presenters, diplomas, network opportunities, and more. To register, visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. The game hasn't changed. Just a game plan.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We're kicking off our first two guests covering all things USL. Why? Well, it's championship weekend for USL. Sunday, ESPN. That's right, ESPN proper. The Tampa Bay Rowdies will take on Phoenix Rising. We kicked off our show with Lee Cohen, the president of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, as the game will be in Tampa. Good luck to both of those teams on Sunday. On Friday night at 5 o'clock in Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville Triumph led by the iconic John Harks will take on Jay Mims and Union Omaha in their first season in USL League 1. They find themselves in the championship game, and I always like when I find connections. Austin Poncho, great at Indiana, where he led his team to a couple college cups, scored big goals, helped them win Big Ten regular seasons and Big Ten tournaments, and now he's going for another title as he is a key sub, a key member off the bench for Union Omaha. Talking about Austin Poncho. Austin, that's all you do, man, is
3: go for championships, right? (laughs)
4: <laughs> That's always the plan, yes, and I'm and, uh, excited for another opportunity to, to get a title here with Omaha. Well,
3: I'm glad you found a home at USL League One. You play with such a great passion for the game. I always admired it when you were at Indiana and then, of course, with North Carolina FC last year. Talk about your decision to join Union Omaha as a new team and how that experience has been.
4: Yeah, anytime you're starting something fresh, it's a really exciting opportunity, and, and here it's literally from the ground up, so... So it's exciting to be a part of an inaugural season and and even more excited when we've had this great of a team. Um, Jay Jay did an excellent job recruiting from top to bottom. Everybody here is is a top player, and and I think being around in Omaha, it it surprised me a lot. The city has been great, and it's just a great project that we have started here, and and hopefully we can end it uh, with a trophy in the first season, which would be awesome. So I think it's just a great opportunity and and a lot of of great people here as well. So it, it it was an easy decision for me to come here.
3: Austin, obviously, you know I love the Big Ten, having worked with the Big Ten Network for now 15 years, but I also love USL, because I've been around the Carolina Railhawks, which for the most part, played in USL. I love what USL has done, setting up with USL League One. It's a solid league, right? So you're proud to be a pro in this league, aren't you?
4: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I know, I mean, we had a preseason, we played three championship teams, and, and got two ties and a win, and could have even came out with more, and- the level is uh, right there and every single year, championship, league one is growing, it's getting better and better. It's a really exciting league to be a part of and it is no, uh, it's not much of a drop off if any from championships. So it's a good challenge every, every game, every week and, and competing against great players every day. So it's, it's exciting to be a part of for sure.
3: Speaking of great challenges, this year has just been the pits, as you know, dealing with the pandemic and <laughs> social injustice. And every day is another adventure. And I, because of that, mm-hmm. you know, all probably not been able to fully embrace you, but they love their soccer down there. They love it at Creighton. They love it down the road at UNO where Jay Menz used to coach and smiling Bob now is coaching. You got to believe mm-hmm. that if you guys can win this in some point when they say, Hey, it's safe to come out and, and celebrate, they're going to be all about it, right?
4: Oh, 100%. And so we've actually been lucky enough all year to have fans, um, in limited capacity. And, and even, even with the limited capacity that we've been able to have, it's, it's been an amazing atmosphere. And I, and we can hold 7,000, 8,000 here at Werner Park and groundskeepers, all of them do an amazing job. So when we finally do get to have all 8,000, 7,000 in the stadium, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, it'll be similar to, to when we were in Indiana playing in front of the Hoosiers. full full capacity there for those lead eight games at home which were amazing so it's going to be uh it's going to be a heck of a year next year
3: well that was another reason it kind of triggered this phone on my facebook it popped up a memory of me attending practice with the 2017 team that Trevor Swartz was on he'll be playing for Greenville perhaps and you'll be Mm -hmm. going up against him and of course uh Andrew Goopman was on that team and Timmy Mao and superstars everywhere how great is it for you to stay connected with your former hoosiers
4: it's a lot of fun um, whether we're playing against each other on the field or just keeping in touch or the phone calls whatever's going on in the world we're keeping in touch talking about in the soccer world so it's just great um, we got so many great players so many great people on that team and and seeing where they all end up it's, it's a lot of fun to see so it's uh it's definitely enjoyable all right, get get us caught up on your
3: brother real quick. Has he left Stanford? Is he still at Stanford? Where is he now?
4: He is he is in an interesting position. He did a little bit of uh, overseas, getting his foot in the door there, trying that out with some trials. wasn't quite for him, and now he's ideally wanting to get in the MLS. Stanford is he he's not he only has one class left, remote there, so he he can kind of go wherever, do whatever he needs to do to, to try places. But I think January is going to be a much more uh, decisive time to see what his future is looking like with. Teams open enough for for transfers a little more, and, and trying to sign people when the MLS season ends. So, he's, he's looking to maybe do that. Um, he's, he's got a lot in the works, so a lot of moving parts still to be decided. And he's he's staying sharp and staying ready for the opportunities that come his way. Slim chance that he's he's staying there, playing out that spring season, considering he's only got one class left, and it can be taken online and remote. So, I think if the opportunity pre- presents itself for him to go pro, he's definitely going to be looking for that. All right, before
3: we let you go, you mentioned moving and shaking. I understand you're a mover and a shaking. you got a little business going, maybe even with Logan. Tell people about that business and where they can learn more.
4: Yeah, uh, that is definitely a, a side uh, job that I've been doing with Logan all this time. Um, he he kind of the brains and orchestrating behind it, and I jumped on the business side of it, kind of bringing, bringing what I learned from Indiana, Kelly School Business on that front. And uh, we started our own clothing brand and apparel called Win Your Moments. At Win Your Moment on Instagram, winyourmoment.com for the website. So we've been doing that all this time and it's it's, it's a nice little, uh, side thing to do while I'm playing soccer because you come home, you can only train for so many hours a day and then you go home and it's something else I can spend a lot of time on and work on. But essentially it's just based on the belief that life's a collection of moments and you just do everything you can to uh, put yourself in a position to win them. So we got some pretty cool clothing, whether it's hoodies, pants, t-shirts, all of the above and we've been been doing that for uh, about three years now. So it's been something fun to do on the side.
3: WinYourMoment.com, and you've got another Win Your Moment moment coming Friday night, U.S. League One title game as Omaha takes on Greenville. Austin, Austin, one of my all-time favorites. Lucky at Indiana, love that you were North Carolina FC and really happy that you found a home you got a chance to add another championship to your resume. Austin Poncho, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Of course, thanks for having me, Dean. All right, got some USL Championship
1: and USL League One love to start the show. Next up, Andy Fleming, now in his 11th year at Xavier. They're in the biggies. They're not going to play until the spring. Andy Fleming is not coming on the show to talk about Xavier. He's not coming on the show to talk about woe is me. He's talking about being a white man in a world where systemic racism is right there in front of us. He wanted to do something about it. Some people were making statements. He wanted to call every black coach or player that he knew and hear their story and keep the dialogue going. So he's going to share some of those stories and why he wanted to do it when we return. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Lee Cohen, the president of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who will take on Phoenix Sunday night, 530 on ESPN for a shot at the USL Championship. Also want to thank Austin Pancho who plays for Omaha. They play Greenville on Friday. That game is at five o'clock on ESPN Deportes and also on ESPN Plus. Now we'll switch to college soccer, but not really. We'll switch to more important matters as we continue the dialogue about systemic racism, social injustice, and making sure that we keep the dialogue going. And we do it with Andy Fleming, now in his 11th year at Xavier. And if you're wondering about Andy, yeah, he's white. But you know what? That doesn't matter. He reached out to every black coach, every black player that he could think of that he's had great ties with, and he wanted to hear their stories, wanted to let them know that he was thinking about them, and he's going to share that story. I thought it was great. I reached out to him He said, yeah, I'll talk about it as he's done other great things with down syndrome and he's also been a little bit outspoken on the 21st century model maybe he'll change his mind on that but right now what's most important is his spreading this message keeping the dialogue going so we put an end to systemic racism, Andy Fleming, the top man at Xavier. Andy, great to have you. And thanks so much for doing this. And thanks so much for coming on the show to talk about it.
5: Thank you for having me on. You know, I've been uh, spoken to over the years and been on different things. And it's usually about our program or, you know, winning a game or something. But this is this is more moving than it's ever been. And this is unique. And, and really, I think any coach will tell you that during the pandemic and the early phases, we were away from our teams and uh, I always say, you know, we have 30 players plus 60 parents, give or take, and that's 90 people. And I found during the pandemic, you know, like anybody, you were reaching out to your assistants, you're reaching out to other coaches. And I was checking in on these guys and, and talking to them every week or every day. And then I realized that there were other parents within our family, our, our team family that were going through stuff. And over time, I was realizing I was talking to anywhere between 30 and 40 people a day. That was kind of the, the impetus of it all as far as, you know, checking in on people. And then all the things became relevant in our society with some of the events, with some of the racism and the social justice stuff. And the people at Xavier, other people said, what are you going to do for a statement? What are you going to put on social media? And I thought everybody was going to do a statement. I really wasn't quite sure the leverage or bandwidth a statement would have, but I wanted to do something and kind of following along the lines of checking in on people. I called two or three friends of mine or coworkers or coaches or whatnot and just see how they were doing. And after two or three calls, I felt really enlightened, and I felt like I didn't know enough, but I felt really calm with them, and I thought the calls were really appreciated. So I sat down with the legal pad, and I made a list of people I had recruited, I had coached, I played with friends of mine, coworkers, colleagues, all around the country, all around the world, really. And I started to call them one by one, and then over a span of two months, I had called 45 African-American people and had some really moving conversations. Every time I got off the phone, I wanted more. Every time I got off the phone, I, I uh, felt like I was enlightened. Uh, I felt like I'd help somebody. And really, my goal today is just to share this story with someone else and hoping you know, that five or six other people might do the same thing and I can move the needle one millimeter with it.
1: You know, I love it because uh, Nicole Hercules, who's the chair of the Black Coaches Advocacy Group for United Soccer Coaches, I told her that I'm gonna continue the dialogue and I'm gonna continue it well past election day. We gotta keep going because as we know, all of this stuff will keep coming back. And part of it though, Andy is, I actually grew up in Ohio. Ironically, you're living in Xavier. And I felt like I kind of lived a naive world, a good one in that I didn't judge anybody by their color, but I also didn't know that People were being judged by that. And that's not good. You know what I mean? Like you can't be that naive. You've got to be ready. It's good in that I've always viewed people in the same respect, but man, it's tough, right? Some of the stories you heard must've just shocked you.
5: Yeah, no question. And, and I think we knew about it, but I didn't understand probably similar to you, Dean. So the best advice I got was from a friend of mine uh, who was a coach. And he said, listen to understand. And I really took that to heart. And uh, I'm not going to go through every story, but, you know, uh, somebody, um, you know, lived in Charlottesville, a friend of mine who coaches basketball at UVA, and the Ku Klux Klan was in his neighborhood. And he has two 12-year-old kids that are twins, and they saw them out the window, and he had to see that, feel that, and explain it. You know, there was another friend of mine who I grew up playing sports with in Boston, 44 years old, well-adjusted male, successful. Three months ago, jogging in his neighborhood, car pulls up next to him, puts the window down. Where would you learn to run like that? In jail, drives away. And then there was another guy I worked with at Xavier who said he had a date he asked to his prom, junior high school. It was a white girl. He's African-American. And she said yes. And then two days later, she had to rescind his offer because her parents wouldn't let her. So I'm not trying to bring these stories in to go to the depths, but these things were real and they happened to people I know. And I hung the phone up really being like, wow, like now I kind of get it. And what's interesting is I spoke to kids who were committed to come here. I spoke to guys in our team. The 17, 18, 19-year-olds really didn't have a lot to say. The 30-year-old had more to say. And then when you got 45, 55 and older, uh, it was emotional. It was profound. The conversations were longer and longer. And I really felt like uh, those were the ones that hit home. But I really hit all ends of the spectrum. And again, as you can imagine, it was really rewarding and enlightening. You know, One of the
1: things that I found is, and I've got this really neat platform every week with United Soccer Coaches podcasts and a pretty good platform to call games, whether they're professionally or collegiate, particularly in soccer, but even other sports is, I found that when I was talking to the black coaches, and I hope you feel the same way when you reached out to them, they appreciated it, they wanted to talk about it, and they want to keep it going. And they always, one of their points is, Don't end here. Keep it going. Did you find that as well?
5: And that's why I did it, Dean. Like I thought if I put something on my Facebook page, that's going to go up and that's it. And I thought a lot of people did it to do it. And I thought this one had a little more longevity to it. And again, I would get off the phone or the person would say, hey, did you check in with so-and-so? And I'd add another name and I kept going. And it got to the point where I was on vacation, I'm on the phone. On Saturday, I'm on the phone. Nine o'clock at night, I'm on the phone. There were days I probably should have called recruits or been with my kids and I'm on the phone, part of this project and I kept wanting more because I liked the way it made me feel and I, I, I kind of felt like I was doing something about it so yeah I listened to learn and I felt like this had some longevity to it and it kind of continued on but like you said I think the the thing that I learned is right away a lot of this stopped after a few weeks people put signs on their yards or they kind of did their social media posts but I think this is um not only continued on with the conversations but just my wherewithal and how I feel about it and kind of my, my awareness.
1: Finally, we learn a lot through repetition, whether it's, you know, taking free kicks over and over and over again, or if it's in fact just spreading the word that, Hey, why don't you call 45 people? I want you to repeat what you really want to accomplish right now, Andy, the best way you can.
5: Well, if somebody out there just thinks of someone they know that they haven't talked to a couple of things that, you know, really struck with me were one person said, thank you so much for calling. Another person cried and said, you're the first white person to call me when this happens. And then really the most profound thing I heard was a gentleman said to me, and this is of a kid who we recruited who didn't end up coming to Xavier, but I developed a relationship with the family. He said, everything that's happened to me in my life, whether it's good or bad, I've always had to say, is that because of the color of my skin? So if I was successful or got a promotion at work or got an award, geez, was that because of my skin or something bad happened? And that's probably the thing that I I can't stop thinking about. And that's probably the thing that I took with me the most. And uh, as much as it hurts and as much as it really stuck, it felt good to know and it felt good to know more and it felt good to do this. And I really want people to say, geez, can I reach out to somebody or just be aware? And then the other thing that I kind of took with this, and and I'm really proud because my kids have seen it. My son said to me the other day, dad, you... I noticed you say hi to every African-American person we see now. I said, I do, Braden. And not all of them say hi back. Many do. Some we stop and talk to. But I just said, what's a little thing I can do to make me feel like I'm part of the solution and not the problem? And I think the most important part of that is my kids have seen it. And again, that little 1% or that little millimeter or molecule there, I think they all add up. And um, it's been really rewarding, and especially not having a season or any fall. You know, there's really uh, other things we can be doing, especially us in leadership roles. And I I really felt this was worth sharing, Dean, and uh, I appreciate you uh, listening to what I have to say.
1: Oh, I'm honored because I'm right in line with you. And I thank you so much for doing it. And I feel like I can speak for Nicole Hercules and the leadership for the black coaches to say thank you, Andy Fleming, as a white coach, a white coach with success at Xavier for stepping up. Two more questions before we let you go. As you mentioned, part of this sort of emphasis on leadership came through your mission through Down syndrome, as you have the young daughter with Downs, how is that going? And and talk about, again, why that's been so important to you.
5: And I smile because, Devin is, uh, I can't imagine life without Devin. She's the light of our lives. She's done wonders for, you know, not just our family, obviously, but I just see it in my neighborhood and I see other kids in our neighborhood and community and our communities rallied around her and we have three other people in our community that have kids with Down syndrome. And I think it's kind of made everybody a better people, but on a bigger scale, I think we have the big walk every year here in Cincinnati. We have one of the top fundraising teams in the Midwest and all our sports teams here at Xavier uh, do it. And we have over, I think 300 people walk every year for it. So it's become a staple in the community. We do a a big game, as you know, every spring, our spring finale, where we bring a top team in and we get about 2000 people and uh, that's become a big event and the guys call it Devin's game, and Devin's the honorary captain, and that certainly has uh, probably done a hundred times more for anybody outside of this than it has for me, but going back to what we talked about prior, the funny thing with Down syndrome is I have a front row seat to it. I'm very well versed in it. I'm very enlightened, and I have no choice but to be part of it, and I've kind of pulled other people into it, which I feel proud to do. I probably, with racial climate in America, was probably on the outskirts and probably a spectator, so to speak, and I was brought in now, so it was interesting to kind of see the the two sides of the story with it and uh, I'm proud of both and um, you know this has some legs and we're going to continue it on here within our team and certainly uh, hopefully today's message enlightens somebody.
1: That's a great tie-in you mentioned about being drawn in you were I wouldn't say it outspoken, but you basically said, hey, I kind of like right now just the fall season. Now you're going <laughs> to have to play in the spring. That's going to open the door for this 21st century model, Andy. Yep. I'm hoping you're going to tell me it's going to make you have your eyes wide open to see how it goes.
5: <laughs> well, I've liked having a fall to get my team ready. Uh, I've enjoyed being a sane normal human being in the fall and kind of just seeing what the fall's like. Uh, even a Saturday afternoon and watching a football game or going for a walk or raking leaves. Uh, I miss it terribly, but uh, the fall's a neat time and this is the first time in 27 years that you haven't had a game every Saturday so there is balance I do worry about the February climate and in training in January but I do think letting the freshman acclimate and kind of stretching it out I will say uh, Sasha will be very happy to hear that uh, I, I am enlightened just like I'm enlightened with other things and I think uh, this will be a good test run for us and hopefully it will give it some legs to uh, at least better received or at least kind of Test driven, So uh, we have better uh, informed opinions on it.
1: Great answer. I think Sasha will also say that the part that he's going to be most enlightened about is the part that you said, hey, I'm going to call 45 people of color that I know and I want to check on them. That was the biggest reason for having you on today, Andy Fleming. I think it's awesome. And thanks so much for sharing it, sharing the dialogue. And I think the message we say right now as we go off is, you know, hey, call every black coach and friend you know, see how they're doing, check in on them, right?
5: Yeah, and and there's racism in sports, unfortunately, but I don't think there's racism in sport. Two things are different. And one thing great about our our vocation in soccer or all sports is really there's no boundaries. And one thing we do every day, we bring our hands in before and after training. And this fall in particular, I've noticed you look in and there's different colored hands and there's different people from all over the world on our team. And uh, I've always appreciated that, but I think now more than ever, it's it's been special. And uh, I think sport is really a great platform. And I think uh, college campuses and messages to young people and uh, obviously leadership positions like ours, uh, you have no option but to embrace it. He
1: mentions young people. We're gonna meet two more members of our brand new 30 under 30 class after this message. Andy Fleming, top man at Xavier, always a great message. Thanks for being with us, Andy. Thanks again, Dean. We'll be back with more after this message.
0: Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seeding, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit QuickGoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs.
3: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team TeamSTEP. What a big show, right? Preview in the USL Championship, championship game, USL League One. Andy Fleming continuing the dialogue. As we know, we're going to continue to fight racism, and it's going to be about love. And now we get to meet two more members of our 30 Under 30 class. I love talking to all of them. Up first is Megan Christian, who's from Nebraska. She's now coaching and living and working in the baltimore area megan welcome to the podcast
6: awesome thanks for having me
3: well megan because you went to school in nebraska at a place called concordia and now you're coaching at a school in baltimore at a place called concordia i'm going to have you explain it all to tell us where you grew up uh, the youth clubs that you started with where you played and how you ended up there don't miss anything okay
6: yeah, so I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. Started playing soccer when I was four. Only sport I ever played. Started playing club at the age of 11 and kind of went through, you know, the ups and downs of, you know, being a young female athlete, kind of learning about life through the game of soccer. Met a lot of amazing coaches that have really kind of paved the way and inspired me to kind of choose this path and this journey as well. I got the wonderful opportunity to play college soccer at Concordia, Nebraska for four years, left there with a degree in education. And that's kind of what got me out here in Baltimore. I got a job right out of college as a history teacher and then got offered a spot as the head women's soccer coach. I originally came out here, had a team of 14 girls. The team was really kind of falling apart from there, just kind of built, started to get the word out about the team, you know, getting girls interested in playing soccer, Went back to back. Here's my second and third year undefeated seasons. Finally won a championship last year for the first time in the school's history. And COVID kind of put a wrench in the season this year, but we did elevate up into the next level conference. So hopefully next year we'll vie for another championship.
3: Well, and hopefully one of the ways to deal with COVID is to be named to the 30 under 30 class. That's a pretty great honor. How do you feel about that?
6: Completely surprised, I mean, I remember I went to the convention um in Baltimore i was I really am kind of new to coaching, so kind of getting used to all of these kind of professional groups and so I was really excited that I had the opportunity to go in Baltimore and I started seeing you know all of these young coaches on this list. I'm like, oh, that would be so awesome if I could you know have the opportunity and I really didn't know how you got on a list like that. I thought you would be nominated by a higher-up in your club. And so then I saw the application, and I just went for it. I didn't think that I would ever, you know, have the opportunity. And so I was actually sitting um, in my classroom at school, um, and I got the email, and I freaked out. I mean, I couldn't focus the rest of the day. I was very excited and extremely blessed to have this opportunity. Help me
3: fill in the blank if people are saying, well, wait, Concordia, Nebraska – Concordia and Baltimore, was there a connection that made it easier to go up there and and become a history teacher and get that job? Or did it completely unrelated and coincidental?
6: So the college that I went to was religiously affiliated. um, And so I did actually end up getting a degree. It's called a Lutheran teacher's diploma that gave me the opportunity to kind of branch out beyond the Midwest. Kind of being put on a special call list, um, I was called out for an interview in Baltimore, always wanting to kind of live out on the East Coast and never thinking it was an option. You know, growing up in Nebraska all my life, got to visit the school, you know, meet the teachers, the principals, and was just really excited about the atmosphere here and then just the opportunity to be on the East Coast. It was kind of connected through its religious affiliation.
3: One of the things that uh, we follow along here is people that have been instrumental in your path, both as a player and as a coach. As you think about your path at this point, who are people that come to mind that played a key role in your development?
6: I mean, I had so many coaches, especially at the club level, um, in kind of my teenage years, my middle school and high school years, that really helped me understand the game from just a, a more tactical level, obviously still helping me develop my um, technical ability on the field, but also helping me see the game. And I've had a lot of former college teammates tell me that, I coach the same way that I play um, in terms of just seeing the field. And my college coach himself, Greg Henson, was very eager to help me learn um, and grow as a coach. I made it very clear to him that I wanted to coach after college. Um, and so he kind of took me under his wing starting my sophomore year. And whenever we would have, you know, individual meetings with player and coach, we would always kind of talk about that coaching element and how to See the game differently, not just play it, but how do you teach it and how do you explain it? And so I've just had so many great inspirations all the way back in Nebraska that have really helped catapult my career out here.
3: So when you think about your career, what has been your greatest moment, whether it's a player as a coach? I feel like that championship that you already got as a young coach might be it, but uh, perhaps there's something else.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think that was, you know, it. I mean, I started with this team almost kind of from the ground up and you know, to build and to go through the previous year losing at the semifinals, but yet accomplishing so much and then digging and working for the next year to win that championship. I mean, I experienced that in college. You know, uh, we came into the team, the coach that recruited me, left right before the season start and then coach henson came in and kind of took over and it was kind of a whirlwind it was kind of a rebuilding year and then we grew um and we grew quickly and we vied for a a championship and and won um, my junior year we went to nationals and so it was just kind of seeing my myself as a player build that and then now having the opportunity as a coach, getting to raise that that trophy as a player, I always wanted to help girls have that same experience. And so, I mean, it's one of those memories that will always be in my mind of seeing my players raise that plaque, just the immediate wash of relief. You know, we had struggled so much. We had fought so hard that entire season and to see them, you know, holding that trophy and just be so excited. I mean, I was just, it was kind of like I was reliving my past as a player through them so it was just that definitely probably is the highlight and then now really having an opportunity to continue to grow the team into kind of the next competitive level in the conference
3: as you wait to find out who your mentor is with the 30 under 30 program and you think about now your affiliation with united soccer coaches at such a young age what do you want to get out of this 30 under 30 experience what is most important to you right now
6: I think a lot of it is working with high schoolers all day, both in the classroom and on the field. Um, I think getting to mentor to them in lots of different capacities, but also just helping them grow as people. Um, I mean I think that's one of the biggest things. I've working on my um my D license coaching or my D coaching license right now, um, that'll finish up in November and a lot of the courses that I've already taken um and the conference last year in Baltimore that I went to, I went to a lot of sessions that talked about character development. Um, and I think as a young coach, it's, it's easy to maybe get caught up in the, oh, the exciting wins. And obviously the championship that I won is always going to be a very dear memory to me. Um, but I think as a young coach, really working with kids on how to build that character um and really being equipped with the skills to help them grow as people, not just as players, is kind of one of my key areas that I want to focus on with my mentor. And then wherever that takes me. I mean, I love teaching at the high school level but I am not opposed to, you know, seeing if college is a, a fantastic opportunity as well just to coach at the next level. So I think it's just a matter of me growing as a coach and my passion for the game and then You know, how do I extend that love to, you know, my players and help them grow, um, you know, on and off the field?
3: Great answer. Coming up, we've got more ties to your area. Ray Leone is joined by one of the greatest players ever at Maryland, Cherry Starber, as part of our Big Ten and Ten. So hopefully you get a chance to maybe see some Maryland women's soccer as well. Megan Christian, you're a big-timer. Thank you so much for joining us, and congrats on being a part of the 30 Under 30 program.
6: Awesome. Thanks for
1: having me. Also from the same area, our next member of the 30 under 30 class is Matt Parsons, who works with the Bethesda Soccer Club. He's also the coach at Sherwood High School for the boys. And he wanted his assistant coach, Paul Homan, who's 52 years old. He just officiated his wedding just a few weeks ago. And he's like, Dean, I'm excited to come on, but can I also bring on Paul? Are you kidding me? This guy's below 30 incredible character to say i want my assistant coach on there with me so that's what we're going to do matt parson 30 under 30 member and his assistant coach paul homan when we return
0: High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all-online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education.
3: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSTEP. I want to thank Megan Christian with the 30 Under 30 class. Now we meet another member, Matt Parsons. Coach Parsons is entering his second year with the Bethesda Soccer Club after an extensive coaching career in high school and club soccer. He's also currently the varsity head coach of the Sherwood High School Boys Soccer Team, a position that he has held for the past six years. In 2017, he led the Warriors to the 4A North Region title He has also previously coached at Potomac Soccer Club, Rosa Parks Middle School, and at Watkins Mill High School. As a player, Matt played all four seasons of his college career at Frostburg State University. He was nominated twice by his teammates for the Gilbert Gray Hardworking Yearly Award and was a member of the Student-Athlete Advisory Committee. There's more on Matt, but I think the best thing I can tell you folks, I've been doing this for a long time, going to be a lot of 30 under 30s, but... The first time I had one of the members say, hey, I don't want to do it by myself. I'm going to have my assistant coach with me. His name is Paul Homan, who, by the way, also played a key role in Matt just getting married. I'll let Matt tell that story as well. But, Matt, let's start with the dose And I'd call you and say hey, I want to talk to you. You're like, look, I'll do it, but I need Paul on there as well. That's pretty cool, my man.
7: Yeah, no, it's great. And one of the first things I did when I took over the program, I wanted to build a great coaching staff and Paul was the first guy that I went to about helping out. He actually reached out to me, and we've been coaching together for five years now. When my wedding came, I had to pick an officiant, and I asked him to do it. And, of course, he, he'll talk about public speaking, how much he hates it, but he was willing to go up in front of everybody uh, in my wedding, be my officiant, and uh, just we've become great friends, and we've really tried to build something special the last couple of years.
3: Paul, oh, Captain Obvious, I mean, how cool is it? you got this guy who wins the 30 under 30, which is not easy. There are tons of applications, tons of applications. The club is exclusive, and he said, I want Paul
8: Holman to be on with me. You know, it's been a great uh, great five years uh, coaching with Coach Parsons. We kind of have the young guy and the old guy. He's, he's under 30, and I'm 52. But five years ago, uh, when he offered me the opportunity to come on board, I had an opportunity to see him coach my son in the high school for uh, two years, and knew he was the guy I wanted to uh, partner up with, and it's been a great experience and a, a true honor to have uh, officiated his wedding.
3: So, what was it about him that made you know all of that, that you wanted your son to play for him? And I've got, I'm the same age as you, I've got two kids. The power of the coach is second to none. It's unbelievable. They can make or break the enjoyment level for your child, right? What was it about Matt, Paul, that said, yeah, I got the good one here.
8: Well, then getting to watch him as a coach, I saw the energy he brought to the program and the enthusiasm he brought to the program and an accountability level uh, to the team and to the players, and I think hearing my son talk about him, uh, you know, I knew he was a good guy, and he was a guy that believed in uh, kids first and, and what was best for them. Um, I have a mental health background. I'm a clinical social worker, and there are certain coaches I won't partner up with, And after uh, talking with Matt for two hours and uh, sharing a beer, I knew this was the guy I wanted to partner up with because I knew kids were in his best interest and he truly had a passion for the game.
3: Matt, at a time when we need good news because the pandemic stinks, the social injustice stinks, the political climate stinks, you get married and you get named the 30 under 30, and you got a great friend in Paul, life's got to be pretty good for you during a time when life is not so great.
7: Yeah, no, that, that is the truth. You know, these are really tough times and it's, it's very easy to, you know, be sad with everything going on. And that's why it's great just to have someone, uh, good to talk to, to talk to who has a mental health background, uh, who always helps me out. It's just like, you know, having a good friend, he's always a voice of reason, uh, and a positive influence. Especially as a young coach, there's always, you know, shortcuts that you can take. So having somebody, you know, of such high character and values to coach with and, and be a friend makes the world of a difference because us young people sometimes think we uh, know more than we do.
3: You're doing a ton in soccer, but you've got a ton going on. Walk us through, did you have to delay the wedding, and during that time, did you get the call for 30 under 30, or did you put the ring on the finger after you got the call for 30 under 30? Paint a better picture for us on all that. So we were actually supposed
7: to get married earlier in the year, and uh, it got pushed back, obviously because of how crazy things were in March with the coronavirus. But it actually got to the point where the wedding venue would not let us delay it anymore. So we uh, had to make do and and do all of the restrictions that we could uh, to make it as safe as possible. But, yeah, we delayed it uh, many months and pushed it back, and then we had to go through with it in October. So uh it worked out well. And Paul did a great job of talking in front of all of those people. Not something I would want to do, though.
3: So when you're standing up there, you already know you're part of the 30 under 30. So what do you remember telling your then fiance that? Hey, I made this 30 under 30 class.
7: Yeah, I, I was really shocked, and she was she was very happy for me. I told Paul and my wife right away that I got in. Uh, it was something I was pretty proud of, and, and I cut it pretty close. It was pretty cool to get it uh, the last year possible.
3: Well, we talked about the importance of a coach. This one will come back to Paul. Paul, you know the importance of education at all levels. And when you're when you a member of the 30 Under 30 class, you're going to get education from all levels. They're going to assign a mentor that you're going to be able to reach out to. You're going to have direct interaction with all 30 members. You're going to be really involved in this year's digital convention. They're going to make sure that you get every ounce of education out of it. When you see him getting this expanded education, how does that make you feel about his career and coaching? I think it's fantastic.
8: The one thing I know about Coach Parsons is he's always had a growth mindset. He encourages uh, himself as well as the players to get 1% better every day. And I know with Matt, he demands a lot out of himself, but he's always got a book to read or something to pass along or go to a conference. So I think being part of the 30 under 30, uh, you've got a great candidate who's going to work hard and really uh, like a sponge, take in everything that uh, will be advantageous to, uh, his growth, and, and to the program.
3: Matt, when you think about being a sponge, when it's all over, when your year is complete, what are a couple things you definitely want to get out of being part of the 30 under 30 club?
7: I think just the, the biggest thing, kind of like Paul said, is I'm an idea thief. So just whether it's the mentoring program, the convention, just whenever I come across these good coaches that have ideas, I just want to steal as many good ideas as possible and just kind of take advantage of them. You know, whether it's the convention, listening to Anson Doran's talk, or a mentor coach that's, you know, giving me their time to help uh me become a better, cro- or a better coach and run a better program. I think just, you know, stealing as many ideas as I can and making them my own.
3: All right. If I were to roll up on the Soccer Club or on Sherwood High School, and I were to sit down and uh, I've fought a few soccer games in my day, and I would watch a game coached by Matt Parsons and Paul Holman, when I walked out of there, I would say, a Matt Parsons, Paul Holman coach team plays what kind of soccer? Oh, it's definitely going to be the hardest working soccer. I mean,
7: these guys are fit. Uh, they're tough. We try to be a very, uh, press oriented team. So, I mean, we're physical. So I think you would definitely come away and say, wow, that was a physical team. Uh, they're in shape and, and they really work other teams. Paul?
8: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we had a philosophy to, when we first started up, we were kind of the underdogs in the county and in the state and, uh, we decided we were going to high-press teams and put them under pressure, cause them to make mistakes and take advantage of it. And I think that's been the buy-in by our uh, team. Um, and you see a team that holds each other accountable. We're big on our players holding each other accountable and not all being about the coaches and telling the players what to do, but they have to coach each other out there.
3: All right, finally, let's end with this. Megan Christian is now at Concordia Prep, which is in the Baltimore area. So right up here, we're going to have Ray Leone. The head coach for the Maryland women's soccer team is married to Tracy Bates Leone and plays at the same stadium, the house that Sasso built. Maryland men's soccer, soccer in that area, DC United obviously a down year, but a great program with a with a lot of history. That's a great area to be coaching and working in soccer, right? Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, the amount of talent we have in the
7: DMV area, uh, that's you know, DC, Maryland, and Virginia, is just incredible. So we've been fortunate to be able to coach a lot of players that have went on to play Division One soccer, and just, you know, getting an opportunity to coach them as soccer players and help them become young or better young men uh, in crucial years of their lives has been rewarding for both of
3: us. All right. Matt Parsons, part of the 30 Under 30 class, showing a big touch of class to have on his assistant coach, who actually coached his son, Paul Holman, who then he also ministered in- wedding just a few weeks ago i love to tie in matt and paul thanks so much for being on the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap thanks thank you us. very much dean appreciate it
1: how cool is that i know if you listen to this podcast i get excited about the simplest of things but that right there is cool matt calling and saying hey can i have my assistant coach on why not right that is really really classy i love i love doing this and speaking of love obviously Big Ten Network's been a big part of my life. I've been doing the Big Ten and Ten. Up next is Maryland women's soccer. Ray Leon. I called one of his games when he was at Harvard as part of the NSCAA Game of the Week. It's great to have him at Maryland now. Carrie Sarver, who coached within the U.S. soccer system. She'll go down as one of the all-time greats at Maryland. She joins Ray Leon as well. Kayla Sharples. With the Chicago Red Stars, a former Northwestern star joins me in the interview, Big Ten and 10, Maryland Women's Soccer, to wrap up the show after this.
0: College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college.
1: <laughs> welcome to big 10 soccer in 10 big 10 women's soccer specifically hello everybody i'm dean Linky. pleased to be joined by all big tenor from northwestern kayla sharples and today we're talking maryland women's soccer and it's my pleasure to be joined by their top man ray leone one of the legends of the coaching game and also speaking of legends Carrie Sarver will go down as one of the all-time great Terrapins. She went on to play in the WSA. She's worked for U.S. soccer. She's worked for the internationals, one of the top clubs in the country. Welcome, Ray. Welcome, Carrie. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you.
5: Thank
1: you. All right, we'll start with you, Ray. Coming over from Harvard, you're starting to build something special there at Maryland. Talk about that progress.
9: Yeah, it's, it's been painstaking, but been rewarding. Last year was just a remarkable culmination of what we really were working towards to finally make the Big Ten tournament and that group of of young women were the first team to put it to put it together and take it all the way to the end. And it was unbelievable to see that goal go in and it was Carrie Sarver's kid to put the winner in to put us in the Big Ten tournament.
10: Ray, you have coached in the Pac-12 with ASU, the Ivy League with Harvard, ACC with Clemson, and now the Big Ten with Maryland. So, what distinguishes the Big Ten from the other conferences?
9: Man, I'll tell you. Uh, I think the schools. I think you know the Ivy League is the Ivy League, but the schools in the Big Ten, they're when I put the soccer part apart, they're all very similar schools. So when you go to a school in a Big Ten, you get a Big Ten degree, which is very similar like when you get an Ivy League degree. That part I really like. Everybody talks about it being physical, and it is, it is, but it's still really good high-level soccer. I don't feel like that's it. I think it's the challenge is, is that everybody plays differently. In the Pac-12, and it was the Pac-10, who got it back then. In the Pac-10, everybody played the same pretty much. In the, In the Big Ten, every team plays very, very different from the system and the style, and that's what makes it such an exciting challenge.
1: Kerry, talking about exciting, so excited to have you, your performances, wearing the Maryland Terrapin jersey, amazing. Now you're sending players to Ray as well. Talk about your great memories at Maryland.
11: Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking about it, so surprised that it's actually been 20 years since I graduated and played my last season, but it, it really does. I know it's a cliche, but it feels like yesterday, just because of the great friendships I made, the memories I had, and the competitive atmosphere, playing at Maryland provided for me. Um, I grew as a player, as a person there, and I tell everybody I'm a homegirl uh, from Ohio, but Maryland is my second favorite place in this world, and I've traveled all over the world thanks to soccer. But College Park, the atmosphere there, the people that, that the university attracts and the athletic department attracts is uh, top-notch.
10: Carrie, you're obviously such a legend. You were a standout on your college team. You played on several professional soccer teams. You were a member of the U.S. Women's National Team pool, and now you're finally coaching at such a great level. How has your perspective of the game changed as you've moved from being a player to now being a coach?
11: I fell in love with the game even more as a coach, because as a player, it was more about me and my teammates and competing and winning games. And of course, as a forward scoring goals, but now it's about impacting lives through the game and being an inspiration to the next generation. Ray mentioned it earlier. We have kids from the International Soccer Club that I grew up playing for and ended up coming back and coaching. And now I'm the director of, and we have five players from our small club in, in Ohio that have gone on to play at Maryland so I'm really proud of that as well to inspire the next generation of players to go and, and become uh, a Terp so that's my biggest thing is giving back to the game and inspiring people through the game
1: Ray and Kerry, it's time to have a little fun because as we know, Ray, you and I both live in the shadows of our wife. But hanging right downstairs in my office, Tracy Bates-Leon, this is one of my first projects. Ray, you know without a doubt, Anson could talk about Mia and all these players, but every time he talks about this team, he talks about Tracy Bates-Leon every single time. What an inspiration. And because, Kerry, you worked at U.S. Soccer, you know all about his wife as well. We'll start with you, Ray. It's true. I, I remember watching them. Uh,
9: training camps and the starters would be on one side going, you know, we better bring it, bring it because, you know, freaking Bates over there is winding them up. And so she led that group and just challenged them. And I think the chemistry of that team, Tracy had a big, big, big part of it. Kerry, you worked at
1: U.S. Soccer. Tracy bates Leone played for U.S. Soccer has been involved as well. What a great combo, right? Between Ray and Tracy and their influence on the game.
11: Yeah, and most people don't know, but Ray and Tracy were uh, actually my coaches in the Olympic development program when I was a U 13, 14-year-old. So Tracy's one of those players as a pioneer of the game that – as I just mentioned uh, about inspiration, she inspired me to dream big and to be, um, to carry on in the game, not just as a player, but as a coach. I watched what she did from a coaching perspective, played against Ray and Tracy when I was at Maryland, they were at Clemson and saw her behavior on the sideline, how she interacted with her players. And um, and now that I know her as a person as well, I can't say enough about her. So she was an inspiration for me as a player, a coach, and, and just as a good, great overall person. Mary,
10: looking back at your time at Maryland, What's a standout moment that comes to mind?
11: My entire career, when I went to Maryland, one of my goals was to um, help them become a power in the ACC at the time. Um, Obviously, it's not just about me. I think the coaches that were there, April Heinrichs, Alan Kirkup, helped um, recruit some very high-level players and kind of put uh, Maryland on the map as far as the ACC goes, and now Ray's doing the same thing, building the program in the Big Ten. So, For me, it wasn't just one moment, even though beating Virginia for the first time ever was probably a highlight, Uh, but it's the entire time I was there and being able to build something special. Um, Everybody knew about North Carolina at the time and Virginia, but now once I graduated and the the players that were with me graduated in 1999, uh, everybody was talking about Maryland as well, so that's probably what I'm most proud of.
1: Ray, as you know, Sasho soroski has been a pioneer for putting college soccer on TV, for creating an atmosphere that perhaps is like none other in the country. And now there's talk of a soccer-specific stadium, getting rid of the track, and getting the fans even closer. You'll benefit from that as well. Talk about that relationship with Sasho.
9: Oh, he's amazing. Um, when you sit and talk with him for five minutes, you know why he's won three national championships. I mean, there is just, he's so relentless in pursuit of excellence every single day. It's very inspirational. Uh, I find him, I I love going to his practices because I learned so much just watching them train. And he's just a true pro and he's been very supportive. It helps that he has four daughters. So he totally gets women's soccer. So we get along great and I really just want to help him you know, put the stadium together before he hangs it up, whenever it may be. And it may be never because we, I want, I want him to see that dream through.
10: Carrie, as a coach now, what advice would you give to your younger self?
11: Uh, I would say to enjoy it more. <laughs> I put a lot of stress on myself and pressure on myself, and I think most competitive people do that. But sometimes I look back and say, man, what I tell my players is to enjoy the process, and I wish I would have done that more. So that would be the, the biggest thing. I, I put in the work. I was you know working as hard as anybody, but I don't know that I always enjoyed it so much. That's my biggest advice to young players right now, especially they have more pressure than I did at the time.
1: Finally to close it out Kerry and Ray is Ray is building something special there in Maryland you know it Kerry cuz you keep sending those outstanding players from Ohio to terp Land. can Ray do what Sachel did and create that national championship culture there in College Park
11: I 100% believe he can. I've, like I said, known Ray since I was 13 or 14 years old, and he's always attracted greatness uh, everywhere he went. So I know it's already happening at Maryland. He's starting to build. Last year was the most successful season in the Big Ten thus far. Um, and I expect and, and anticipate that to continue, especially with the, the way that he um, leads, the way that he inspires. And I, have again, um, hope to continue the pipeline from the international soccer club to the Maryland Terrapins with Ray at the helm.
1: Might as well chase one down, right, Ray? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Well,
9: she she told me about one player. She goes, you got to come check out this player, right? I, just, as soon as I got the job, I watched the player for like 30 seconds and started to smile because it reminded me exactly of Carrie Sarver. Because like, I, I totally know Sarver as a player. And I just the way she ran, the way she played, her ability on the ball. And as soon as I saw her, I just started to smile. I was like, oh my God, it's her. (laughs) So I was like, that was it. I saw her literally 30 seconds. I said, we've got to get this kid.
1: Outstanding, Carrie, I do want to thank you for all you've done for the game at U.S. Soccer and all you've done for the youth game with such a prestigious club. And, Ray, it goes without saying what you've done at every conference. And now we're so glad to have you in the Big Ten. That's Big Ten in Ten, Maryland women's soccer with Ray Leone and Carrie Sarver. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great show. Great guests. want to thank all of them, as well as Sean Chevrolet and Mike Knipper of United Soccer Coaches. I also want to thank Colin Thrash for his great editing work. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit UnitedSoccerCoaches.org and TeamSnap.com.